Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast where we thought WWE would come out strong with an answer after double or nothing. Boy, were we wrong. It's lost the mid-card. Welcome. Uh, Thursday edition. Actually, it's going to be a late Wednesday edition, possibly. So uh, depending on when you get the notification, when you go to bed and whatnot. Um, It's been a busy week for the three of us, but we definitely wanted to squeeze a quick podcast in to talk about the greatness that was double or nothing um, as well as set the table for TakeOver 25, which is this Saturday, a great card. Uh, but this is going to be a, a, a smaller show, a quicker show. No headlines this week. We're going to skip the headlines because of you know just time constraints and whatnot. Um, it, it's basically going to be a WWE-free show. No WWE except for one funny uh, little uh, uh news tidbit that happened on SmackDown this week. Um, but uh, basically, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have a little quick bite-sized show. We're going to cover John Moxley's a tremendous appearance on Talk is Jericho that just uh, uh, aired today. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, BTE. We've got a couple of episodes to cover there before and after Double or Nothing. And of course, we got Double or Nothing to talk about before we uh, give our predictions for TakeOver 25. So it's going to be a quick show this week, but first, thank you to SpiderDuck.net for being our host, enabling us to be on iTunes and any of your favorite podcasting apps. All you got to do is search for Lost in the Midcard, hit that subscribe button, that way you know every time a new episode comes your way. Uh, typically every Wednesday, but uh, when you subscribe, that way you know if it's a different day like uh, like this particular episode, this little special episode in itself. You can also subscribe to us on the YouTube. The links to all that are on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash lost in the midcard. Go to the pin post there. Go to the pin tweet on Twitter at LITMC podcast, where we show, uh, share a lot of the great tweets from the wrestling world. And uh, as this AEW WWE war begins, uh, the, the tweets are only going to get better. I'm your host, Jeremy Bennett. You can find me on the Twitter at JB Huskers. As always, my co-host, he is on the Twitter at Raw F Showtime. It is Mr. Matt Black. Matt, how you doing? Well, damn, pal. I just I just saw Double or Nothing. Yeah? Oh, yeah, Vince? You, Vince? Oh, hey, Vince. What's up? <sighs> you saw Double or Nothing. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. You, you, I think... You admit it? I think we're in trouble. You 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 admit it? Yeah, you don't have an Undertaker this time to save your ass. When, I'm bringing him back Monday, damn it! When the Attitude Era, you know, didn't... He's uh, coming back on Monday. He's going to save me. Yeah, it, he was in the locker room 24-7 saving your ass, though, reminding you, hey, this company's going to drizzling shits with pushing Doink the Clown. Doink save me once, you can save me again. Save us Triple H, right? <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, no Daryl this week. He is on assignment. We'll, we'll, so I, like, I like when they say that like on on shows and stuff, so I like using... Or, well, actually, WWE says that sometimes, too, don't they? Yes. <laughs> so Daryl is on assignment this week. Um, 
But Jesus Christ, Matt, uh, let's just put it all out there right now and say, uh, though I don't want to spend $50 in July and again in August, it was uh, $50 well spent for Double or Nothing, wasn't it? Look, I'm not happy with the pay-per-view price, and I'll be, I'll be the first to admit that. And I think they could have done a lot more buys and got a lot more eyeballs on their product had the show been 40 or 30 um, but if you're going to ask me if I felt the, uh, the overall five hour pay-per-view was worth $50, I got, I got to say, yeah, that there wasn't anything bad on the show. It was a great show and it was hands down the most fun I've had watching a wrestling show since all in. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that tell you? There's been a couple really good takeovers in between those two shows. Um, but you know, I just, it, it was tops for me, man. I mean, it even, was just, even, it was just that good. I mean, we'll get into detail here in a little bit, but even the Battle Royale was fun as fuck. I mean, one of my new favorite guys showed up. You know who I'm talking about. We'll get into that in a little bit. But there was just so many great moments in the Battle Royale, and I think some thought it was a little long, but I, I think the format was great. And it, it, and it was long because it, it was able... The reason why it was long was it was able to showcase those guys, and they stayed in the ring. They weren't like a WWE pay-per-view where uh, Zack Ryder's in the Battle Royale and he's gone 30 seconds in, you know. People got to stick around and showcase themselves. So uh, even the you know all the way into the pre-show, things mattered. Um, but it was well done. Why don't we, though, uh, I have not listened to it yet, but I have read the, the, uh, the, the high points and you just did listen to it, so let's... I literally just finished listening to it before we got on here to record. So, um, so it's very it's very fresh in my mind. We're not we're not talking uh, headlines this week. Uh, there wasn't really anything major to talk about anyways, and anything that was major was probably AEW it's, 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 Yeah, it's going to be covered when we talk about the AEW stuff anyway, so there's really no point in making it a separate topic. But uh, John Moxley, while in Vegas with Chris Jericho... Uh, Jericho came over. Moxley lives in in Vegas, by the way. Yep. And uh, Jericho came over to his home. Um, and uh, I don't know when this was recorded. Okay. See, this is really funny to me. Um, because Jericho says at the beginning of the show that this is recorded before Double or Nothing as a way to explain why he's not mad at Moxley during the interview for attacking him at the end of the show. But as soon as they start the interview, Jericho says, yeah, we just did we just did double or nothing Saturday night. Oh, oops. And I'm just like, dude, you couldn't have at least edited the beginning of your show out to make it, like, <laughs> come on, man. Well, Jericho's Clearly, I, I think this was recorded on, like, Sunday. I think they recorded this probably, like, Sunday after double or nothing. Yeah, maybe Jericho, maybe I mean maybe it was, that was the original plan and he pre-taped that thing and sent it into, you know, wherever he does his podcast through nowadays. I don't get in I don't there's just so many of them I can't keep up, so Yeah, I normally look, I know I look, normally my only show I make sure that I listen to every day. I listen to Busted Open every day. Um and I've been binging uh something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, like, unless there's a big guest on another one of the shows like this one, I don't, I don't have time to listen to every show all the time. Yeah. I, I, I am enjoying the new, uh, the new show with JR and, uh, Conrad grilling JR. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really good. Um, 
It's just there's just too many podcasts, and they know we're we're one of them. Um, we we appreciate everybody that takes the time out to listen to us every week, uh, because there's so many different choices, and we appreciate that you listen to us. Uh, but everybody was talking about this Boxley interview all day, <laughs> yeah. And I was out, and I'm just like, I don't have time to listen to it right now. I don't have time to listen to it right now. And we were set to record at a certain time, and. You were nowhere to be found, and I'm like, motherfucker, I'm just going to listen to this fucking interview because <laughs> I, 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 had, I had to hear what everybody was talking about. It, it turned out to be good. Yeah, I was a little exhausted, so I took a little napski, uh, and uh, I wanted to talk about this anyway, so it was kind of good that, that one of us got this listened to, and I read I read the article, which detailed almost the, the whole thing. I mean, there were probably some minor things that... that, that that we may not cover that you can bring up or whatever, but yeah, obviously I'm going to pull up this podcast too and listen to it, but yeah, but... Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend anybody to to get, uh, if you're a fan of Moxley, or if you're if you want to just get the inside scoop of what it's really like to deal with the creative at WWE right now. I mean, this is a must listen episode of Talk Is Jericho. Like, uh, yeah, you have uh-huh. to listen. Um, yeah, and, and as you're saying, yeah, it's we we watch so much wrestling; it's hard to keep up listening to <laughs> you know i mean th- there was a time where i was able to keep up with jericho austin and jr uh on a regular basis and it's just i can't do it anymore there's so much and then i, I tried to fit in edge and christian and it's just I as can't. much as i love edge and christian i haven't listened to a single one of their shows oh i i i, 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 just, I have just have such a backlog of everything else i just yeah. haven't even haven't even gotten the chance yeah. i'm sure they're great i love the guys I read their recaps sometimes, um, but yeah, I've never actually sat down and listened to one of them. I just just don't have the time. Yeah, so it's just so much. There's so much that we we try to get in and 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 so we can talk about it with you guys, but we can't get everything in. So, but thank you for listening. We got. I don't know how long this is going to go because we don't have much to talk. We don't have much on the the itinerary, but who knows? It's our telling. But first, uh, the the John Moxley interview. Um, he he kicked things off by you know saying that uh, he he did seem grateful for his eight years in the WWE. I mean, he made great money, met his wife. Talked about how he could just easily sell everything and go on the road with his wife because she's his best friend and, and knows they would be happy. Um, he did praise the WWE for the make, Make-A-Wish connections he had with the fans. But I, that's about all the, that, was, that was about all the sunshine and rainbows for the WWE, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think he pretty much said uh, after his opening statement, all right, now let's spend the next two hours burying, burying the company or, or something something. Something to that effect along those lines. It was, uh, he had a lot to say. He had a lot to get off his chest. One of the main, so, one of the main contentions that Moxley had was the, the scripted promos that WWE gave him to say on television. He hated, uh, that he had to do a promo. Uh, he hated, he hated having to, to do promos that were against Roman Reigns, especially after he announced he had leukemia. Um, he hated the. He regretted doing the promo after he he had done the first one after turning heel on Seth that that same night. In regards to uh, uh, hating dealing with scripts, he he said, well, "Well, why do I work here? I'm a professional wrestler who can tell stories and come up with promos. I be I believe I have the capability to talk people into the buildings. I believe that I've developed those skills years ago. I wanted to bring them here to WWE, and you just want me to say your stupid lines." 
If you want somebody to read your stupid lines, hire an actor because they'd probably do a better job. I'm not interested in doing it. And you uh, know what's really interesting is he said, as much as he hated that first line that he said about Rain's leukemia. Yeah, he said that they had another line scripted mm. for him a few weeks down the line. Yep. He I, said he wouldn't even say it on the air. Yeah, I got that. I he, got that later on in the recap. Oh, uh, okay. Because I thought it was like stand by side on that. He's just like it. They would have lost. He said they would have lost sponsors he over what they over over what they wanted him to say. Fuck. Maybe he should have. Maybe that would have <laughs> finally woke up Vince. Yeah, but it would have probably given him a lot of heat in the process yeah. too. Yeah, that's true. So. Moxley, I, I, think he, I think he was right to finally just put his foot down and say, fucking enough. Yeah. Uh, Moxley felt like leaving WWE in, in July of 2018, but decided to stick it out. Didn't want to get into legal trouble. Told the story about a promo in uh, November of 2018 where he had to get shots from a doctor because he didn't want get diseases from the fans, which I, I think we both, we all mentioned uh, that was just a, so bad. was stupid. Uh, I think it's. I think it. It makes us feel good to know that he thought it was just as bad as we thought it was. Yeah. You know, I actually. I think. I. I feel like that's vindication for the fans mm-hmm. because there's some people. Oh, you don't get it. You know, it's it's, it's entertainment. It's funny, but the, the fact that the talent that had to perform it hated it just as much as we did, having to watch it, mm-hmm. to me speaks volumes. You know, and there's a reason why this guy was my number one guy. It was both inside and outside of the ring. And uh, he's going to continue to be my number one guy in AEW. And so many great guys. I love Kenny. I love the Bucks. I love Jericho. But Dean is still my number one guy, and it's not going to change. I still have not found a number one guy in WWE yet, Matt. Uh, Maybe Ali. Maybe Ali. If... I, I Ali has really impressed me. So that that's your WWE talk for the day, except for the <laughs> the signs we got to talk about later. But uh, um, Moxley hated the promo when he found out from a writer, and Vince McMahon made sure Moxley knew it's not comedy. It was so well written; it's going to get him a ton of heat. Okay, Vince, idiot. Uh, Moxley told Vince, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm the best man to do it. Vince apparently loved it. Dean flew, Dean flew home that night and said he couldn't get out of there faster. So embarrassing. I can't believe this is happening. And he was so depressed. And uh, he went on uh, to continue to talk about the WWE wanting him to uh, rip on Roman Reigns for having cancer. He said the line they wanted him was so brutal that he was ashamed himself and uh, probably would have lost sponsors. Here's, a, here's the quote from the podcast itself. Uh, this promo also had a line about my actual friend who's going through leukemia that Vince wanted me to say, that he tried talking me into saying. This is where I absolutely drew the line. I said, absolutely not is the worst line. I'm not going to say it on air. I'll, I'll tell you after we're done. Uh, meaning he's not even going to say it on Talk is Jericho. Yeah. I mean, and, that, look, if that doesn't say how bad it was, like, I don't even I don't even know what to tell you. The fact that he he didn't even feel comfortable saying it on the on that on that show it would have been like a thing where someone would have had to get fired maybe me they might have lost sponsors like susan g komen and all that i don't know who wrote it i don't know if it was vince himself it was a writer he's not and he's listening right now you should be ashamed of yourself you wouldn't believe it moxley also talked about how he used to love thinking about wrestling promos and how he would say things but then lost that passion because of how wwe scripts things for him he talked about how the Shield broke up in 2014, 
You thought of a character that was uh, this would uh, explain the, uh, the 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 white tank top. Uh, he, he thought of his character as ninety percent John McClane from Die Hard, and and the rest of it would be uh, guys like Dusty Rhodes and Bret Hart that can walk through anything. He felt like it got o- he, he felt like it got over, and uh, you know it, it, on his own. This was uh, basically his own his own doing. The the first uh, f- few months after the Shield broke up. Uh, where he remained a babyface. Moxley was frustrated about how Vince always gave him goofy nonsense, yet John uh, John tried to stay positive. Vince edited his promos a lot when John wanted to change them, with Vince continually saying uh, to Dean that he viewed Dean as a goofball character. I bet that really made... I bet that really made Moxley happy, huh? Yeah. Um... Moxley talked about how in December 2017, when he had tricep surgery, he thought maybe he'd come back stronger than ever. Well, he, he looked fucking stronger than ever. Yeah, he looked pretty fucking amazing. Uh, he goes, oh, maybe things will be different when he came back. When he was ready to come back, he was watching all sorts of wrestling from current to stuff in the past. Got ideas about his comeback. But then he kept realizing that WWE won't let him do stuff he wanted to do. While he was out of action, Moxley flew to Stamford, Connecticut, WWE's headquarters, because, uh, coincidentally enough, Jericho told him in the past to do that and pitch ideas to Vince about his comeback. John wanted to be a heel, completely different character, perhaps against AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, but then they told him it's going to be the same guy in the Shield. He liked teaming with Seth, but he wanted to do some different stuff. Moxley thought he would return at SummerSlam, and uh, they pretended that it would go. With, they pretended it would go with his idea. They brought him back to Raw instead, and he was frustrated by it. Uh, he, he also ripped the WWE f- uh, about how he, uh, on the way he returned before SummerSlam in uh, 2018, um, about him flipping out over a line, uh, basically where uh, I think it was uh, Seth said he had a lunatic watching his back, and that made Ambrose and Ambrose was scripted to flip out, you know, and he goes. He was just so, so frustrated. Uh, actually, they said uh, he was. I guess he was told how. How did he screw it up or something, Matt? Like they thought he screwed something up. Wait, what? When they were talking about mean? when they talked about uh, when Rollins was talking about after after uh, Ambrose had come back from surgery, and he says yeah. he's got a lunatic watches back. Remember when Dean snapped at oh, that? Well, no. It, uh, Dean was Dean was referencing the fact of how. He hate he hated the line, mm-hmm. but I mean it wasn't Rollins' fault. I mean Rollins was just saying what he was scripted to say. Oh, was he saying how do you screw that up? Like, uh, was he just talking to creative then when Moxley said yeah. that? Oh, they didn't yeah. say that to. Oh, okay. Uh, Moxley said whether or not AEW existed, he still would have left the WWE even if there were no promotions out there. He would have started his own promotion. Oh, how good would that be, Matt? <laughs> Yeah, you need to have a lot of money to start your own promotion. I'm glad he didn't attempt that. Yeah, uh, he said the instant rumor was he was going to AEW, so that's why uh, he noted that the silence drives people nuts, so he remained silent. Uh, he talked about uh, a new contract coming from the WWE when it was Royal Rumble weekend. He That's when he told the WWE he's gone. He told Vincent Hunter it's not a decision he came to fast or lightly. Obviously, you could tell from the previous parts of the interview. Uh, he said it's not about one particular thing or an emotional decision. Uh, he's just going to leave when the contract's up. Moxley spoke about uh, 
how they knew he was leaving, and they decided to have him at an, an angle with Nia Jax. He did not have a problem with that because she's a powerful woman, but he wasn't happy with a lot of things going on. Vince claimed he didn't know that John was upset about stupid promos, yet uh, Vince always makes things feel okay in his mind, which makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Man? It so makes so much sense. Ah, I was all right, pal. Yeah. Uh, John told Vince he had a sick feeling in his stomach on Mondays because he hated being on Raw. He claimed that they were burying the fuck out of him with the Nia feud. Then he was okay doing it, and they had fun in rehearsals, then they just got dropped altogether. Yeah, because Dean probably they probably saw all shit he's enjoying it. Let's not do this. Yeah, that's my he didn't say that, but that's my opinion on how WWE handles stuff. If they're trying to embarrass somebody and they go with it and they roll with it while they drop it, the same thing happened with, with uh, remember when they were trying to get Mark Henry to quit, yeah, uh, in the Attitude Era because of his big contract and they hooked him up with the uh, the transvestite. Yeah, they were hoping he they were hoping he was going to quit. He got that over, but he, but he went with he went with it and did the best he could with what he was given, and the story ended up getting dropped, and they moved on from it. Yeah, um, and and I feel like this was another one of that situation. I feel like they wanted to embarrass uh, Dean, and Dean was like, "Yeah, no, let's do it. It'll be fun." And they're like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't fun if he's enjoying it." And they just decided to move on to something else. It's amazing. How like I said, he didn't say that, but. It's amazing how clueless. It, you know, it it kind of it kind of feels that way to me. It's just amazing how clueless that that Vince is. But uh, when the rumors came out about Moxley leaving the company, uh, WWE released a press say a press release saying he's leaving the company, and uh, John said his phone didn't stop ringing for forty eight hours. He got so many texts from people asking if he was leaving. He said he never looked at that new contract WWE gave him. He didn't want to look at it because he didn't want to because he wanted to leave. He wondered, oh, what if they offered ten million? Well, he's already got his truck paid off, his house paid off, his mom's house paid off. Yeah, he doesn't have to live lavishly. So uh, it wasn't about the money. He was unhappy. He didn't give a shit if it was ten million. Uh, we all know it probably wasn't ten million, but I, I'm curious how much they were going to try to throw. Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure it was a pretty high, mm-hmm. pretty high deal. Moxley said that uh, since he's left WWE, uh, he's felt like a totally different person. He's happy. He looks back at it now, and he's surprised he's lasted as long as he did, but he's not bitter at anything that happened. Because now the reward is he gets to start over like he's 18 years old again. Uh, he says he has, experience in st- he has experience now, and he's starting ahead of the game. I wonder if he said that, one on pur- that line on purpose. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're reading. I think you're going to read a little too much into that one. I don't. I don't. I don't think he really had any ill will towards Triple H. I'm sure not. Uh, I'm it, sure it, not. It, it's not how it came across in the in the interview, anyway. Uh, the focus then shift to AEW. Jericho says they now have a chance to change things in the business, and Moxley said it's really exciting. Uh, he spoke about how he wants to prove that the creative process in the WWE sucks. It does not work. It's absolutely terrible. He told Vince, Hunter, Michael Hayes, and so on. Moxley says uh, he thinks Vince is the problem, not so much Vince, but the structure he has built around him with a team of writers and producers. There's great talent in the WWE, but the creative process sucks. He says uh, AEW will be putting on the best product, and if that causes WWE to be better, then that's good. And um, then they they both com- both Moxley and Jericho complained about how WWE micromanages things. Moxley talked about when they had EC3 come into Raw, 
who's uh, and uh, EC3 is a good friend of of Moxley's. And the match they had was only three minutes. Fans hated it. M- uh, Moxley uh, claimed he was doing mostly heel stuff, but the fans were cheering him. Uh, and they were rejecting EC3 at live events, basically because Vince is not is booking him like shit. Moxley was so frustrated. He said a writer they knew, but it was Vince was determined to have Ambrose put over EC3 again. He claimed Vince was mad that the plan wasn't working and the fans were cheering Ambrose. Moxley thought it was telling the fans that uh, Moxley thought the fans were telling the WWE that they know that they're trying to bury Dean. So fuck you, Vince. We're going to cheer him. <laughs> it's not what I wanted. Damn it. There's a lot of not what you wanted. Moxley revealed that his uh, shield special uh, from the WWE network. He got a, a whopping $500. For that, he got paid five hundred dollars for that. Uh, he said, "That's the minimum you get if you're an extra at Raw." God, I want to be an extra at Raw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jericho said, "Well, that's one. That's one final fu Ambrose." And 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 uh, Moxley joked he should frame that check. Moxley said, "Being an AEW is the best version of himself," and he said he knows that he'll have creative freedom because uh, Cody Rhodes. Uh, is just like him, you know. He he was frustrated about his final days with the WWE, uh, just like John was. Um, he says uh, Dean. Uh, it's gonna be hard not to call him Dean anymore. Sometimes, uh, Moxley said he's gonna Gotta learn. Break the habit, brother. Uh, what's that? Gotta break the habit, brother. Uh, Moxley said he's gonna learn new styles, new opponents to work with, and he can't wait for it. Physically, he feels good, but mentally, he cannot wait to get started. A side note: we're not doing headlines this week, but. Moxley's wrestling Juice Robinson, New Japan Pro Wrestling for the United States title, isn't he? And he's wrestling Joey Janela at Fighter Fest. Yep. Oh, buddy. And I think he's wrestling Northeast Wrestling or somewhere in the Northeast. It might not be Northeast Wrestling, but he's wrestling Pentagon. somewhere in the Northeast again against Pentagon in August. Like, yep. holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That hardcore guy from TNA? <laughs> no way! That hardcore guy from uh, CZW? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time to be alive, to be a, a John Moxley fan like I was. I mean, like I said, I, I my first ever indie guy that I ever followed was Chuck Taylor. As a buddy of mine introduced me to him, probably 04, 05. And then the next guy I started following was John Moxley, and... I got so excited when he was, you know, I didn't know much about FCW at the time. I mean, we didn't have a podcast. I, you know, I didn't dig into the sheets and, 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 and really dig into every detail of the business like I do now. But I, I followed him, and then I saw the promo with Mick Foley where that was supposed to be their first feud. Um, but, of course, the story goes Mick was not medically cleared, and I'm, I was so excited when I saw this. When I saw, well, he was he was Dean Ambrose at the time, and, and he, he confronts Mick Foley at at a, a WWE Access event. I'm like, oh, this is this is great, you know. But hey, we got the shield out of it, which was not a bad thing either, right, Matt? No, uh, no, no complaints. Uh, when Moxley first uh, Moxley first heard about AEW starting one month after his deal had expired, he knew he wanted to be a part of it, and uh, and considering Double or Nothing was in Las Vegas where he lives. Um, he said that was when he signed the contract. It felt different than WWE. This is one of my favorite lines of the whole show. Moxley says AEW president Tony Khan 
He likes him because he's a wrestling fan. He could tell you about ECW pay-per-views from 1998. Tony is more of a wrestling fan than Vince is. That's uh, honestly that does come as a surprise to anybody because Vince is Mister Sports Entertainment. Yeah. So, the, so the fact that Tony is more of a wrestling fan than than Vince, honestly, should be duh for a thousand, Alex. Yeah. Um, and Jericho says he feels bad with Vince. He can't take a break when all he does is think about wrestling every day for forty years. And uh, that's when uh, Vince had, or uh, Moxley had some more uh, advice for Vince McMahon: Your creative process sucks. Change it. <laughs> theme of the show right we do we've been preaching this for years mm-hmm. so many people just had you know countless excuses for for them you know always just it's always somebody else's fault well look now you got talents there telling you that everything we've been saying to you is 100 percent true you know, we're not complaining just because we want to complain. We're not good. We want to like the WWE product. We want to love the WWE product. I've been watching WWF, WWE, you know, since I was four years old. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that it is in the state that it's in now breaks my heart. I, I want this. I want it to be better. Well, I mean, before, I, before we went on air, I go, Matt, well, you know, we've been recording the show for nearly four and a half years now. And over 200 episodes, and I go, Matt, do you remember a time where I've skipped both Raw and SmackDown twice in the same month? And It's a negative, brother. Yeah, and I I did. I skipped Raw and SmackDown. I probably will go back and watch SmackDown. I I thought SmackDown was solid this week. I was not a fan of Raw at all. I'll probably go back and watch that this weekend sometime. Because obviously with a two-hour show and DVR, I can get through it in an hour and 15. So, Uh, yeah, Raw, what what was my quote? Uh, Basically, there are about 11,000 seconds in a three-hour Raw, and only 20 of them were relevant. Dude, I can't even begin to tell you how much I hated that show. The only 20 seconds Uh, that were relevant was when uh, Sami Zayn mentioned AEW. Dude, I just I really thought they were going to put their best foot forward on Monday night. I really really did. We did, yeah. I did too. That's why we said we, that's why I, I said, was expect I was expecting a great show on Monday. That's why I said what I said in the open. Because I was yeah, I I I uh, I was sitting there playing Days Gone uh right after work. And I'm like, all right. Should I go watch this live? I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to see how the first hour is, and I'll catch up. Because usually if you at least start by 8.30, I think usually or so, you can catch up. I think, or maybe 8 o'clock, 8.15, I can't remember what the timing is. But if you start around a little after the first hour. If you start on DVR, you could catch up and be live within the third hour. So I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see, and... Not even. I obviously, I, I I look at see what Matt has to say, but uh, it wasn't just Matt. It was everybody, and they're like, like, like one comment was uh, the first hour, uh, the first seventy six minutes of the show when we finally get a match. It's like, wow. Uh, okay, I'm not even gonna watch it. I know because I know that I know I know. It ain't gonna, gonna get piss be- you off. Well, it ain't gonna get better. It ain't gonna get better. If the first hour is like this, it ain't going to get better. I I know Super Showdown is going to be a pile of shit. 
Because I, I know why. Dude, I'm at the, dude, I'm at the point where I'm not even going to watch it live. Oh, I didn't. Um, I didn't even watch it live the first time. Well, I I intended to for for um oh, for Taker, Taker and Goldberg. I did pull it up. Um, I, I, did, I did pull it up last year live. I think. I, I'm, that, I'm that not. Worked. I'm not even. Not even doing that. I I'm going to wait for it till it's on demand. I'm going to load up the show. I'm going to fast forward and find the match. I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to be done. Yeah. Uh, I have. I'll watch Triple H Norton too. Oh God, I have no desire to see that fucking match. I know we've seen it a million times, but eh, you know. Uh, but yeah, I probably won't even end up going back and watching that. But I will go back and watch Taker and Goldberg. Um, when you're billing the show is equal to or better than WrestleMania, that just tells me Vince is trying to make it worse. So, because WrestleMania is usually, I, the exception is this year. But for the the past several years, WrestleMania has been more entertainment than wrestling, and the storylines have proven that, and the way they book Braun Strowman has proven that the last couple of years. The so, fuck you trying to say, pal? Uh, so, yeah, I, so I, I, I told the guy, I told Daryl and, and Matt this, I go, it's going to suck next week, too. It's going to suck until we get past Super Showdown, and then... And then from there, I don't know. I mean, we got this stomping grounds, you know. Who knows? It's going to be a mix. But will they finally put their uh, get their act together? They may not even get their act together till fucking October, you know. I don't know. But uh, Moxley talked about <clears throat> the video that came out on April 30th, the day after his contract, or the, at midnight, the day his contract had expired. Uh, many people thought it was produced by AEW. No, it was uh, produced by a friend of his, Sick Nick Mondo, who he knew from uh, uh, his hardcore wrestling days. Uh, Super surprising. I was hoping they would bring up the fact that the dice on the wall said 25. Yeah. But it was never it was never brought up in the conversation. I was just wondering if that was done by if that was done by design or if it was a happy accident. I'd, I'd really want to know. Uh Moxley said it was filmed in February in Los Angeles for two days straight. They've spent about eight grand on it. <clears throat> uh, he said he, he was inspired by movie trailers, and so that's what they wanted to do with the first John Moxley video post-WWE. Um, he said Vince texted him at like 4 a.m. while John was filming these scenes in L.A. Vince wanting him to wrestle on the European tour, John said, Fuck off. Fuck off. He says he's committed to a film project. <laughs> Hey, he wasn't lying. True. We all know that, that Moxley's not a, a social media guy, so he he did uh, he did uh, confess that his social media guru guy tweeted it out and uh, put it out on Twitter and said he got the exact response he was hoping for. Well, we were fucking excited, weren't we? <laughs> Damn right. We weren't ex- we weren't seeing that coming at midnight, and all of a sudden, dude, dude, look at this. Poor Daryl was asleep, so he, he he looked at about a wall of text between me and Matt. <laughs> uh, Moxley spoke about how the rest of the year there's some stuff he'll be doing. It might surprise people, but he's happy he can do whatever he wants. It's not about money. He's driven by passion, creativity, artistic satisfaction, and fun. He says the rewards, be it monetary or otherwise, will come. Moxley reminded everybody he's 33 years old. Well, Jericho's 48 and still on top of his game, so he knows he can be anything he wants to be. And the last question Jericho asked him was, uh, who, who's Moxley looking forward to working with? And he says, anybody. He said, anybody, because he knows he can help bring eyeballs to the company, 
now that they're going to be on TNT this fall. He says, however, he can help the most. Put him in that position. And Jericho says that uh, they can help guys work in live TV, which is something they both have a lot of experience in. Moxley says uh, when he got to the WWE, there was so much he knew, but he learned. And he says they have no idea what's going to happen, but it's so that's why it's so exciting. Uh, Matt, you obviously just listened to it right beforehand, so uh, anything you want to add to the interview? Just no, I, I think that pretty much covered it. It was just it was a really good it was a really good interview that I would uh definitely make sure to go and listen to your listen for yourself because just the tone and and the way things were said just I, I think it needs to be heard. I think you need to hear it for yourself. Yeah. And it's such gonna, a deal. I'm definitely gonna do it myself here too. Uh being the elite Episode 153, who's the best tag team in the world? This is the uh, the episode. It was kind of a, a bonus surprise episode, kind of, wasn't it? It was, you know, we had the upfronts that was on the normal time, and then they kind of surprised us with, with this one. Um, They're outside uh, talking. Of course, uh, Nick's got a deck of cards. Of course, of course everybody's drawn for the Battle Royale. And David Arquette wants to be in the Battle Royale. Well, all the Bucks uh, said that, the, that they're booked for the, uh, the Battle Royale, but they could introduce them into a club. Or uh, introduce him to the party. You know what party that is, Matt. Poor David Arcad. Yeah, he, he, he took a quite a bump with that fence right there, too. <laughs> that was pretty funny, though, seeing David Arcad on, on being the elite, man. MJF, uh, Hal Brandy has not kicked him out of the house yet. I don't know. Hal Brandy tolerates him in the house. I don't know. But he tried to kill Pharaoh, man. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. That's a heel move. Well, MJF is a heel. We we all know that. <laughs> I love it when Brandy stuffed the, the brownie in his mouth because obviously MJF doesn't eat brownies. Oh, the gluten! Suck it up, pal. Peter uh, Peter Avalon and, and Joey Ryan have a little uh, a, a little talk on the bench as Peter's trying to wrap his head around having two librarians. He does have the best shh in the business, though. Peter Avalon's shh is pretty good. Uh, MJF and Brandon Cutler. How, how great was this? Brandon Cutler trying to get MJF to draw a card for the Battle Royale. and Obviously, MJF pushing some buttons. And uh, how, how great was it when uh grabbed him by the throat? <laughs> I, I didn't like I, I I didn't believe Cutler's promo. Yeah. Um, That's something he's got to he, probably work like, on. I, I it's definitely something he has to work on because I didn't really believe he was angry. Okay, if if that makes sense, like his his verbiage was there, but his I didn't believe what he was saying. Okay, if that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, that does. Um, uh, the overall idea of the skit I liked. But I didn't. I did not like his delivery, and that's definitely something he's going to need to work on if they're going to be using him as a promo guy uh, in the company. If they're just going to be using him as a wrestler, I, I guess you know it's not that big of a deal. But if they're going to be expecting him to cut promos, he's he's got to get better at that. And yeah. I want to see him succeed because I love his story. Oh God! Um, but I was, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling his angry, up. serious promo with uh, with MJF there. Okay. Um, are you liking the BTE mailbag? <clears throat> it's all right. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't feel like we've gotten anything where they've actually answered a question that I was 
uh, I wanted them to answer. And I mean, some of the questions I asked that I wanted them to answer, they gave a roundabout answer and didn't really answer it. So yeah. <laughs> it was kind of just like, eh. I think my favorite question came up to, on uh, this episode when uh, someone asked, "Is uh, would you confirm or deny our suspicions that Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are the voices of Arthur and Trevor? <laughs> I, I thought that was funny when Kaz started going into a, a heated argument about those those dick bags. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And then they asked Matt, uh, or they asked uh, Matt and Nick, uh, the next the next question was that they asked Matt and Nick, uh, will they keep making BTE while running AEW full-time? And, and Matt was honest and says, I don't know. You know, I, I really hope they do. Do you think they will? I think it would be a very bad idea to stop. Do you think they have the capacity to do so? I, I mean, they're obviously doing it now, but what, what happens when it comes October? You know, I, I uh, know. Look, even if you have to cut it down to like two episodes a month instead of four, um, I still think it would be a very bad idea to not run the show. Um, Zach, Zach Ryder lost a lot of his momentum when he stopped the Z-True Law Island story. Um, and I, I think being the elite is too important to the overall synergy of AEW to just let it go. Yeah, there's no way. I don't think they can let it go. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. We'll come October. Um, Hangman Page on the couch with a bag of peas or broccoli on his knee because Pac attacked it in England with a chair uh, saying he's out of double or nothing can't compete but he'll be at StarCast so that basically told you he was in the in the Battle Royale right yeah pretty much <laughs> uh, Kazarian and Daniels approach the Lucha Brothers they kind of Lucha Brothers thought they were going to start a fight but uh, they just said a little respect I'm kind of wondering if this is Going somewhere, Matt, with uh, SCU and the and Lucha. I wonder if that maybe is the next feud. Uh, to me, that was just a throwaway thing. I don't think so? really think. Yeah. And uh, we see uh, the uh, live texting to uh, to Matt Massey. It says double or nothing is in two days. Are you really going to do that move? So they teased this move and they didn't. It wasn't even a finish. They didn't even finish. Use the, they they went with the Meltzer driver. To, so was this just a tease for us or something? Or well, they they hit that move. They hit a move in the middle of the match. And they said that they hadn't broke it out in a while. I think that's what they were teasing. Oh, okay. It wasn't the finisher. I was thinking they were no. Gonna, it wasn't no. It wasn't the finisher. I thought it was like a new finisher they were talking about. But okay. Uh, so then they went into a montage of uh, of the whole the whole story between the Bucks and the, the Lucha Brothers to get set up for the Double or Nothing match. That was uh, that was the uh, the final being the Elite before the big show, Double or Nothing at the MGM Grand on Saturday, May twenty fifth. And as we said before, Matt, holy fuck, what what a a show it was. Uh, the buy in was excellent, and so was the main card, wasn't it? Good shit, man. Uh, Good shit, pal. The announced team uh, for the pre-show was Alex Marvez and Excalibur. What do you think? I, I like Excalibur, but Marvez... I like Excalibur a lot. Marvez it just does not have the... Pep. Marvez needs to pick up his excitement level. Yeah. He's very. He's he's a very monotone commentator. And that he's got might good information. Work, that, might, that might work in radio and sportscasting. Yeah. 
Uh, but that's not going to work on a wrestling show. He's got good information. He's he's he he is a dollar he is a dollar version of Mike Tenay. Yeah, yeah. You know, at least Mike Tenay could raise his voice. Mike Tenay had all the information, but he could get loud when he needed to get loud. And um, Marvez needs to learn to get loud. Him and Don West were such a good tandem back in the the, the heydays of of Impact, huh? Oh, boy. I loved Don West. The uh, Casino Battle Royale started things off. Michael Nakazawa put on a bunch of baby doll because that's his gimmick. So disgusting. Uh, with Brandon Cutler, Sunny Days, MJF, and uh, Dustin Thomas, the, the, the gentleman that does not have any legs. Uh, of course, what happens, MJF goes for him first, right? You know, because MJF is a dick, you know. So he, text, he called him Lieutenant Dan. Did you catch that? I don't think I caught it. MJF. I really just skipped through the pre-show. I had a bunch of problems with my cable company. Oh fuck, that sucks. So that's right. I forgot about that. So I didn't. Yeah, did you, you, I had to go back and skim over it on YouTube after the fact. I didn't see any of the show uh, of the buy-in. I saw like the last ten seconds of uh, Sammy G and Kip Sabian. By the time we finally got shit sorted, but everything before that, it was a staticky, jumbled mess. Were you able to? Did you watch the buy-in again, like on YouTube? Like I said, I went and skimmed through it on skim YouTube really it? quick. Okay. I ha- I have not actually sat through and watched it in its entirety. It was just something I had to get done to write an article. It's a it, it's a it's a it's a good battle royal. I don't know if it was as good as the All In one, but it was really it was fucking entertaining, which is something WWE doesn't do nowadays. So, uh, the second group was Brian Pillman Jr. What a mullet that dude's got right now. I love it. Uh, I, Isaiah Cassidy, I'm not familiar with that guy. Uh, Joey Janela, <clears throat> Jimmy Havoc, and those are the only four that came out because one guy got to make an entrance on his own. Sean Spears, big, big pop for Sean Spears. Um, the next group was Billy Gunn, Glacier, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, and Ace Romero, who is a big fucking guy. Uh one of the highlights of the Battle Royale was a Joey Janela smoking a cigarette and Jimmy Havoc takes the cigarette and staples it to his for, to Janela's forehead with a nail gun. Fucking A. I mean, somebody might die if, if, if we get a Jimmy Havoc Darby Allen match. <laughs> oh, might. Lord. Uh, speaking of Darby Allen, he's facing Cody at uh, Fighter Fest, isn't he? Yep. Uh, the next, the final group uh, included Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, Sunny Kiss, Tommy Dreamer, and uh, some. Uh, I actually like the. We saw a little of this on on being the elite. It, it looks like possibly Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus might be kind of a tan, might be a tag team. I don't know. Uh, they they had they had some pretty cool uh, tag team moves. Uh, uh, so if you get a chance to check that out, Matt, it's we, it basically kind of like when BTE put he put Jungle Boy on his shoulders, and they did some cr- actual moves as like one tall guy. <laughs> it was it was something. You, you got to check that out. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, the the Joker, as we mentioned, Hangman Adam Page. No surprise. Too bad it wasn't Pac or Pac Punk. Uh, I, I, it got to be saving Punk for all out though, right? They're saving Punk for Chicago. Yeah. There was no reason to bring. They already had Moxley in the bank. Yep. Um, and, you know, in his hometown, essentially. 
So you bring Punk out in his hometown a couple months later. There is no reason to rain on Moxley's parade. Yeah. And that's what Good would point. have been done if that if Punk would have been there too. Yeah. Um I think I think unfortunately Moxley would have been an afterthought and the entire world would be talking about Punk. Yep. They made the right call by waiting. Yeah. I do look, if you had if you, you point a gun to my head and you're asking me right now is CM Punk, um had, does CM Punk have a contract to the AEW right now? I'm gonna say yes. Uh, I won't. I I can't tell you that he signed it yet, um, but I can tell you he probably has a contract in his hands right now, and I do think yeah, it will be signed, sealed, and delivered by the end of August. It's on the and table. I do think CM Punk will be it all out. I really and surely do. Yeah, I do too. Uh, he didn't appear in an indie show for nothing, <laughs> boys and girls. Uh. And then uh, there was a 20-second entrant into the Battle Royale. Uh, one of my new favorite indie wrestlers, Orange Cassidy. If you don't know who this guy is, check him out. His gimmick is fucking hilarious. But he's not all gimmick. He can turn it on, too, when it's time to go. But uh, he didn't turn it on at all in the Battle Royale. He he went slow mode on, on Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> you got to just see it to believe it. You saw the clip, didn't you, Matt, that I sent you? Yeah, it was only a minute long that he was in the match, but I don't know. I I, I discovered him during Mania weekend because I I, I heard uh, somebody I follow on Twitter goes <clears throat> was asked who who did you think did some of the best work over Mania weekend, and they said Orange Cassidy, and so I went and checked him out, and I, I became a fan. So I'm not sure if you know much about him, matter for a fan of him or not. I, I'm honestly not a fan. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't think it's funny. Um, I'm, but whatever. I laughed my ass off. So I, <laughs> I just, I think it's dumb. I, I, I want somebody to take him and bitch slap him across the face, knock his sunglasses off. That was pretty cool. He did the kip up though, uh, uh, with, with his hands in his pocket still when Dreamer knocked him down. But no, I, I, I love the gimmick. I think it's hilarious, but, uh, yeah. well, we were definitely different of opinion there. Yeah. And eventually you come around when we differ. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Page knocks out Luchasaurus, and uh, we thought, oh, that's it. But no, MJF was still there. And we thought MJF was going to ruin the party, but Hangman hits his lariat and eliminates MJF to win the Battle Royal. I'm pretty sure MJF was going to win this Battle Royal Mm -hmm. had the Pac match happened. Mm -hmm. Honest to God, I believe now more than ever, and this was AEW not wanting egg on their face, I think it was a visa issue. Mm. I really and surely do. Okay. I I think they did everything in their power to get the visa stuff done. They didn't get it done in time because our government's a pain in the ass. And they oh, yeah. and look his, look and, it, <clears throat> and they didn't they didn't want to look bad by publicly admitting that it was a visa issue because I mean that kind of looks weak for your company. Um, so they let Dave Meltzer put out the the creative differences story and just let him feel that shit. Um, I, I really do believe it was a visa issue. I do believe Pac will be with AEW by the time they roll out to TNT. Um, I believe they will have that visa situation sorted out. Um, but I do I, I I think the situation was not as bad as a lot of people assumed, like Pac not wanting to do business or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I really and truly think this came down to a visa issue that just couldn't be done. And that's why they flew Hey Man to England where Pac could not have to worry about a visa issue and still put the match on for and, the fans. And, and they still created a, a story out of it, too. And, and 
and you can paint Pac as the bad guy, but still bring him in. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, you know you're painting him as the bad guy kayfabe. So I, I think it's brilliant what they did with that. So uh, the other match on uh, they did a skit with the uh, the librarians after that, and uh, then they did the second match of the uh, the of the buy-in. Kip Sabian, Sammy Guevara. I thought this was a, a very solid match. I, I knew nothing about Kip Sabian going in. Uh, Sammy G, we see on on being the elite all the time. Um, yep. I thought they put on a hell of a show. Uh, Sammy G uh, looked impressive. He, he's he, he's young. He's got some work to do, but he's got uh, he's got a lot of potential. Um, no argument. <clears throat> Kip Sabian got the win there after ten minutes. And uh, then they kind of did a a little uh, a, a little being the elite uh, open before the pay per view, didn't they, Matt? A little uh, Kenny Omega, a little, a little wink, a wink and a nod to to the fans. Little Kenny Omega looking at the laptop with a thumbs up, and uh, Matt Matt walks down the hallway, and meets uh, his brother Nick, and uh, um, uh, <laughs> Matt runs into Michael Nakazawa. He needed to super kick him. The wrong guy got super kicked. Yeah. I, I wanted to see Nakazawa get his head taken off. I, I keep forgetting that guy's name. It's Mike something, but I always forget his name. Kowalery or yeah. Kowalery or so, I can't pronounce it. We see him all the time. Yeah. But yeah, he was given the, the Bucks credentials, but he got in, in, invited to the super kick party instead. It's QT Marshall. I mean, if we want to refer to him by his gimmick name. Yeah. So. Uh, the Elite, Cody, Kenny. Matt, Nick, and Brandy um, showed up on the stage while the fans chant AEW. Uh, they they tried to, to they they tried to argue on who should welcome us to the show. Um, then they made fun of the WWE saying they packed the MGM Grand with twenty thousand people because you're round up in pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, pal. And uh, it's time for the show to begin after the national anthem. Uh, showed a video package and uh, Jim Ross along with Alex Marvez and Excalibur as we kick off the night with a six man tag SCU and the strong hearts. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, though, uh, OWE didn't go over in this match. I tell you what, man, uh, uh, I, I thought guys I've never heard of before, especially L Lindemann. I thought, looked ama- looked amazing in this match and uh it was a good opener i thought i thought these guys worked really well together god yeah the match the match was solid it was uh it was good i honestly expected more out of the owe talents from all the clips and highlights i've seen of their video packages over the the last four or five months but i mean it was still a good solid wrestling match i mean definitely nothing to complain about we, so, were you surprised that SCU got over here? I mean, we all predicted uh, Stronghearts because we thought they would be putting OWE uh, over I, here. I, but. I, I thought it would depend on how strong the OWE relationship with AEW was going forward. Um, and to me, with with SCU going over, I'm going to say um, OWE will not be used As heavily yeah. um, You know, once they get to TNT. I, I could be wrong. But that that's what I took from SCU, ta- SCU getting the win. Allie joined commentary for the women's match uh, with uh, Kylie Ray, uh, Kyla Rose, or Nyla Rose, sorry, uh, and uh, Dr. Britt Baker. <clears throat> I, uh, I I loved the line JR said in the pay-per-view, Matt, where uh, uh, 
uh, is it Dia? Is it as it DMS or something? Whatever her the initials they put for the for the for her dentistry. And uh, DMD. DMD. And Jr. goes for those for my friends in Oklahoma. That means she's a dentist. <laughs> oh, Jr. I missed you. Brandy Rhodes appeared on stage with her wrestling gear on. Oh, was this why she was telling all three women that they were going to win? I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be. Is she going to turn into Stephanie? Is this going to? We we should know better, right? I'm really glad they didn't go that route. I mean, we should know better that that uh, that uh, she. No, but she said she saw she, she she thought that this triple threat match was great, but she wanted it to be awesome, which led to awesome Kong coming out. Holy cow! How holy cow! Awesome Kong! We we thought she was going to retire, and and here she is. I mean, awesome Kong, obviously in TNA, uh, probably best known for her feud with Gail Kim was truly amazing and uh we all thought she was retired she went to uh uh the netflix show glow and uh, she was announced for the fail four way but I, I literally the internet lost their shit i i i could uh i couldn't believe it and you know i'm talking to people who who you know, nobody expected her to come back and so obviously nyla rose is not now not the biggest uh women in the match and uh so obviously, uh, uh, her and Kong go at it right away. And uh, the women here, though, uh, they did a hell of a job with uh, with, with the match, the Fatal Four Way. Um, it's it's kind of hard to compare with All In uh, with their uh, with their match, women's match there. But uh, I, I think if you compare the two matches together, it's definitely you know the women's division is in good hands. And I, I think with Awesome Kong being there she's gonna instill a lot of knowledge with a lot of a lot of the younger girls like kylie ray uh nyla rose you know and and, and there's gonna be it's with brandy kind of uh running it all together i i think um the women's division is gonna be probably uh something that may rival the knockouts division that uh that Impact Wrestling had uh, when when basically the Knockouts division was was uh, basically the best thing going on TNA Impact Wrestling at the time. So in the end, though, uh, Awesome Kong did spend a lot of time on the outside after a, a hellish battle with uh, Nyla Rose, and uh, in the end, uh, Britt Baker came in. And hit Ray with the suplex, and uh, then drove her shoulder under the knee for the pinfall uh, after an eleven-minute match there. So Britt Baker is the winner of the uh, first official women's match in AEW. So obviously, once uh, uh, the women's title kind of comes into fruition with AEW, Britt Baker will uh, will be uh, the uh, probably uh, one of the front runners to uh, to be up there uh, to, to compete for the title. Next up on the show, best friends, Chucky e. T, Trent Beretta. They make their entrance uh, as they take on the uh, Lucha Doors. Of course, these guys made, were made famous from Lucha Underground, Jack Evans and Angelico. 
and uh, this uh, obviously I uh, you know if you, if you listen to the show for uh, you know the 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 time that we've been on and the time that Lucha Underground's been on, you know I'm a big fan of Angelico. Jack Evans is a hell of a talent too. Jack Evans, of course. Uh, was part of a great faction in Lucha Underground called uh, uh, with uh, with uh, John 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 Morrison and uh, um, PJ Black were in that one were in that in that faction along with uh, with uh, John's uh, John's wife Tara. Um, so I, I think Angelico and Jack Evans make a great addition. Obviously, All Elite Wrestling is uh, putting a huge focus on tag teams, and so. The fact that uh, you know we have more than just the Bucks and 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 the and the Lucha Brothers. This is proof right here. You got SCU, obviously, that can uh, be a tag team, but you got best friends and Helico and Jack Evans. They uh, put together a, a hell of a match uh, for about uh, twelve and a half minutes. Is about how long this went, and uh, with uh, the best friends Chucky e. T and Trip Retta getting over in the end after the match, the uh, the best friends hugged in the ring. And uh, the announcers put this over as the first AEW tag match done and in the books. And uh, they wanted to sh- uh, Angelico and Jack said uh, they would shake hands, but the best friends wanted a hug. So they hugged. But then the lights went out. And the lights went out for quite some time. And when they came back on, there was somebody else in the ring. The announcer says, what are they doing there? Who are they? But it was the super... Smash Brothers. The lights went out again, and there were masked guys on the floor, and everybody was getting attacked. And the Super Smash Brothers just destroyed everybody. All the the minions they had outside of the ring, they they, they created a, a a gigantic throne for the big man to sit on, which was a quite intri- quite uh, quite quite a scene, so to speak. Uh, but a, a great way to uh, to introduce the Super Smash Brothers, who of course uh, were teased on being the elite as uh, being a tag team that's going to come to AEW. Uh, so uh, once again, we're we're building that that tag team division. <clears throat> You're already uh, uh, you you have some main event players with the Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, SCU, and right here you already have uh, something building with uh, with Jack Evans and Helico and the best friends having to deal with the Super Smash Brothers. Uh, after that tag match, they had a video package to announce that All Out will be officially taking place once again at the Sears Center in Chicago on August 31st. That's Labor Day weekend. Tickets for that will go on sale June 14th. Of course, that's shit, Matt. That's going to sell out like instantly, right? I would certainly think that that will not last long at all. Um. <clears throat> and uh well especially cuz uh, I, I everybody and their dogs going to expect punk right <laughs> i it, look if, if you're not going to expect punk i don't i i don't know what the hell you're thinking but to me you know just just the fact that um tony was very clear after uh after double or nothing at the at the little media scrum afterwards, that he that he has a good relationship with Phil, and that he respects Phil and, and all this shit, and I'm just like, dude, when the fuck did you even talk to him? Now, now all of a sudden you have a good relationship with him, and you're calling him by his first name. Phil, <laughs> um, 
you know, to, to, to me, you know, I was just like, to me, you just dead gave away, um, that he is, that he's with you guys. And so I don't, I'm, I'm fine with that. No, I'm fine with it too. I'm just saying, um, it was well, connect of, the dots and, and, and kind of going back to what you said earlier with, uh, Punk not wanting to overshadow Moxley and, and, and Hager said the exact same thing when, like, when Ariel Helwani asked him, you going to show up yep. in Vegas? He goes, no, I don't want to, oh, even though he kind of let it leak, but we all knew it. Yeah, he let, well, he let that out of the bag. I'm sure Moxley probably called him and was like, what the hell? Uh, real quick, going back to the women's match, um, I just talked about uh, Best Friends and Angelico and the Super Smash Bros. But going back to that women's match, Matt, how awesome was it, <laughs> pun intended, to see Awesome Kong back in the ring when we thought she was retired? I thought it was awesome. Absolutely thought it was awesome. She's going to be... No pun intended. She's going to be great for those young women. Uh, I, I hope she's there long term. Yeah, you know, even if they use her sparingly. They, she, they used her sparingly in the, the match. To me, so. to me, Awesome Kong is the definition of an attraction. Yeah. And if they use her sparingly and they use her right, they can get a lot of mileage out of her going forward. I, I hope it was more than a one-time deal. Well, we will see. Uh, next up is the six-women six tag match uh, of the Japanese women. I found out that Kenny Omega played a big part in setting up this match, actually. Uh, uh, Hikaru Shida, Ryo Abi, Ryo Muzunami took on Aja Kong, who is, uh, I believe, the uh, influence for Awesome Kong. If I remember right, I think so. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, Yuka Sakazawi and Emi Sakura. Uh, I, I think uh, these these women. This was a hell of a match, man. Yeah, it was really good. Despite the timekeeper botch at the end, the match was very good. Yeah, but uh, you know, you know, shit happens. But at the same time, you know. It is what it is, but uh, yeah, those girls uh, took took uh, took it to the limit there. Uh, next up uh, is brother versus brother, generation versus generation, Cody versus Dustin, and uh, what did you think of the throne getting sledgehammered, Matt? <laughs> I popped. I don't give a fuck. It was great. I thought it was hilarious, uh, and I, I think I said on Twitter, shots fucking fired. I did too. Uh, I said the, or, or, I said or, the, or something something along. I those said lines. I said shots. So. I said shots fired too on Twitter. I said the exact same thing because that's what Triple H said uh, in the tank with DX, right? Yeah, it was good shit. I I, I liked it. Um. <clears throat> this. Uh, I don't know if we're going to agree, Matt, but this was my best match of the night, Dustin and Cody. It, it, this was I think it was best story of the night, hands down. I would lean on the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks as my favorite match of the night, um, but this would be a close second. It's kind of it, funny. it was much, much better than I expected it how, to be. Yeah, I mean, how great is it for you to not be excited for this at all? I mean, we I, – I, and it was so weird. Like, I, I – I I had no I had no knowledge of this happening and I you know and I said I wonder if it's his brother you know when when we were doing all the teases on BTE or on uh, Road to Double or Nothing you know and I I said it was, I wonder if it's his brother 
without knowing it was going to be his brother. And, and, you know, and you didn't like the idea and you weren't excited I for didn't. it. But then as the promo started rolling along, you got behind it. And then after this match was over, it was, it was, uh, you were impressed, huh? Yeah, I, it was good, man. You, you can't take anything away from him. I, I liked the promos leading into it, and I just I just thought it was very well done. I, I love uh, the the crowd chanting, you still got it. Those probably half of them are WWE marks. Maybe not marks, but then the, then the, the, the smart fans later followed up that chant with, never lost it. <laughs> A chant you've never heard in the WWE. You always hear the same old, you still got it chant the never lost it chant. That was a smart one. So, uh, that, that was good. Uh, holy shit. Blade job. That was insane. Wasn't it? That was a lot of blood brother. Uh, as long as it's safe, you know what they say sometimes red means green. Yep. And, and as long as it's safely done, I'm all for it, man. I think it should be used sparingly. Not all the time. I mean, shit. Not it. all the time, and I, I think it should be used sparingly. And I think when it comes out, I think it should be special. No, this was special. So. This, was, this was one of those things. There wasn't it. Um, man, the near falls in this match, like, I, I think it was the second crossroads. I thought, oh, that's it. Dustin's done, and he kicked out. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like no way. You know, they just hooked you in with so many great near falls. And this is basically what we were supposed to have at WrestleMania, right? You know? and Well, thanks, Vince, for fucking it up and giving it to us on AEW, right? Why the hell not? Nice nice DDP cameo, too, uh, carrying carrying Brandy to the back. (laughs) I've heard a lot of people suggest over the past week that DDP should be some kind of, like, on-screen authority figure. Would, for AEW, once they go on TNT, be, and honest cool. to God, it, I'm, I'd be all for that. I, I think that would, I, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, <clears throat> how about how about the moments after the match? Uh, Cody tells Dustin that he doesn't get to retire here. He says he wants to ask his brother for a favor in front of God and the whole world. He says he's got a match for Fight for the Fallen in July where he will pick a partner of his choosing to face the Young Bucks. Cody said he didn't need a partner, he didn't need a friend, he needs his older brother. And the brothers were uh, emotional and hugged, leading to a huge standing ovation from the crowd. What a, How great was that moment, man? It was awesome, and if you didn't tear up at it, then I don't know if you have a soul. I know. So, I mean, Cody was tearing up. Not saying he had to cry, <laughs> but man, if you didn't tear up a little bit, you didn't get choked up, you didn't feel anything. Yeah. You might not have a damn soul, man. Uh, that was, I mean, cr- Cody was even crying. It was like, oh man, this is this is something right here. I really hope this isn't it for Dustin. I hope he sticks around a, a couple years or however long he wants to. But it's up to him, obviously. But I, I really hope he. I, I mean, obviously, I think he'll stick around in a agent capacity or producer capacity. I, I'm sure he wants to work with his brother. I, 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 I would I would assume so. Don't you think, Matt? You you would think I want him to wrestle for a few more years if he's because he's he's in fin- he looked great he was in great shape here wasn't he probably in the best shape of his life yeah 
So I, I or at least the last twenty years. I I, 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 I sent a tweet to him. I go. I, it, I know it's up to you, but if you if you are able to and want to, I want to see you here for two or even more years. You know, keep wrestling. You know, and wow. Uh, Jack Whitehall, we saw in uh, Road to Double or Nothing, who couldn't get the belt out of the bag. Uh, he, he was in the ring to introduce the uh, the new AEW World Heavyweight Championship win, and he's got someone to come down to uh, unveil the championship. Bret Hart? Oh, holy fuck, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that coming. Oh. Did not see that coming. Bret thanked the fans for the warm reception while the fans chanted, holy shit. <laughs> Uh, he mentioned how uh, he was in Vegas 26 years ago where he defended a world title at WrestleMania 9. And it's an honor to be at a sold-out show. And thanked AEW for allowing him to present this beautiful belt. And uh, introduced the man that will challenge either Jericho or Omega, Hangman Page. Hangman came out and uh, shook Brett's hand. And then MJF comes out. Created with some asshole chance because that's what he does best. MGF said the fans paid money to see him and reminded us that he's the fastest rising star in pro wrestling, which is not a lie, by the way. And uh, he joked that, if, look out, Brett, a fan's going to attack you. He laughed about it. He said he's the future face of the company because God knows a horse can't be the face of the company, as he references. Hey, I'm a fucking horse! <laughs> MJF reminded Paige that when a horse gets injured, they put him out of his misery. And uh, said Paige got a fluke victory and should relinquish his title shot. MJF got on the apron. And Brett t- he told Brett, look at me, old man. <laughs> Did his catchphrase. And uh, he goes, oh, wait, that catchphrase sucks. Never mind. He trash talks Paige. Paige tried to t- punch him, but MJF called him sea- ducked and called him Seabiscuit. <laughs> Jungle Boy comes out and uh, gets in front of MJF along with Jimmy Havoc and uh, everybody works over MJF. And it was a fun little, that uh, 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 was kind of a fun little uh, side segment, probably since we didn't get the Pac and, and, and Hangman match. Matt, that was a good segment also to bring some of the, some other guys that were in the Battle Royal out onto the main show, right? To me, it was perfectly placed. The crowd was spent after Cody and Dustin they needed a cold down a cold down spot mm-hmm. and instead of sending a match out there which would have been i think it would have been the bucks and the blue brothers right that was next right yeah there's only two matches left yeah so if they would have sent that out right after that you, you were attempting to set up the young bucks to fail yeah so they had they they placed the segment perfectly to just let the crowd breathe and you it, know, it, breathe, it, relax. You know, it was still a good overall segment, yeah, but it, it let it, you just collect your bearings to prepare you for the rest of the night. It, it was perfectly booked. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, that was not by accident. So that was uh, definitely not by accident. They know what they're doing. Uh, Bret Hart then holds up the title belt. Holy fuck, that's a title belt, Matt. I think it's fucking awesome. I, I saw some people whining about it. And to me, if you're whining about that championship, I go you know, go go buy a 24/7 belt and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, because 
like I think the AW World Title is beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. So uh, the uh, the cameraman did not get in. Uh, the, they did not get in on the belt when Brett was showing it. But but I, I, Brett wasn't really. He was kind of. He was kind of moving all around, and yeah. the camera people couldn't keep up with him. That's all right, though. Man, that thing's a thing of beauty. And then we, we'll we'll talk about being the elite this week here coming up in a minute. But uh, they they talked with uh, the guy that designed the belt and said there's like what about forty hours just on putting the stones in alone. Something yeah. Like that. Lucha Brothers, Young Bucks. All right, we get we we caught our breath and now, holy fuck. I mean. 25 minutes and was there a cool down part of this match at all <laughs> was there, was there no a- <laughs> no i don't think so uh, non-stop balls to the wall action brother i i honestly thought the lucha brothers would win just because it's for the tie it was for the triple a tag titles but uh so i was a little surprised but Anyways, no, they're fighting in Mexico in a few weeks. Oh, okay. So they're going to drop them back there in front of the Mexican crowd. Mm, makes sense. They 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 played it right. They knew exactly what they were doing. They got they, yeah, like they got a rematch in like two and a half weeks in Mexico. They're going to drop them there. Nice, uh, nice call out to El Generico with the uh, the uh, the brainbuster on the turnbuckle. That, that yeah, was buddy. What, that was what prompted Sami Zayn to mention AEW on TV, and a lot of people say that was not in the script. So Sami's probably just saying. Some people are saying it is, and I don't believe anybody that says it is. Uh, I think it was an improvised line. And Sammy's and that, like, you know, send me home if you want to send me home, right? Yeah, pretty much. Because once my time runs out, I'm going over there. Now, I'm sure there would be a lot of people that would say after the fact, oh, yeah, we, we planned that, you know, to cover their own ass. Oh, of course. I don't, I don't believe it was planned. <laughs> of course. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this match besides that it was just fucking awesome? No, it was just fucking awesome. Yeah. Go watch it. Melter Driver for the win after 25 minutes of pure amazement. Um, then uh, we get a video package setting up the main event. Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega. Uh, Jericho. I kind of like the, uh, the entrances of Jericho. Yeah, I wonder how thrilled WWE was with the list out there. Well, it's on WWE Shop, so. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can purchase it. And, uh, hey, free advertisement, right? Yeah, I don't know about all that. It's on the clearance rack. Uh, I guess you could call, uh, you call this the Judas era of Jericho, right? Makes sense. Sure, why the hell? Sure, why the hell not? I mean, he's coming out to Judas, so. The only thing that disappoints me, the only thing that disappoints me, I wonder how good. This match could have been had Kenny Omega not gotten his nose broken in the first couple of minutes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it w- I don't I mean, don't get me wrong. The match was still good, but I think the match could have been great. Yeah, it wasn't as good as his Wrestle had Kingdom, Kenny's, but it was still great. It was still good. Yeah, it was. It was actually. Yeah, it was a good match that could have been great, and I think it would have been great had Kenny's nose not gotten broken in the first couple minutes of the match. Any uh, any update on that? I I hear he's going to be fine, okay. but you know, still, I mean. What a trooper! Speaking you know, of, forgotten that out and well, they went going through minutes. that and everything in the post match and yeah. and you know dealing with all that with it, with the injury. You know, just props to Kenny Omega, man. Um, 
It, it I mean, it was. I would almost call it a great match. It just wasn't that spectacular Wrestle Kingdom six star match that we've seen Omega do. This was so. I would still call it a great match, Matt. But uh, let me bring up something that's different. The tables. I love the sound the tables make when you go through them in AEW. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm a big fan of those tables. Those look pretty fucking weird. They're black. They make a great sound though. When you, when they- to me, it to me it looked like a combination of the tables of a regular table and the table from New Japan. Yeah, the skinny ones somehow yeah. somehow had a baby, and they came out looking like that. But they have, they make a so- great they make a great crunch when someone goes through them. Uh, there was a crowd. Uh, there was a, a guy cosplaying as Jesus in the crowd. At Jericho pointed out that was kind of funny, and and so then the crowd chanted, "Let's go, Jesus." <laughs> uh, I, let's fast forward to the end, Matt. I, I hear mixed reviews on on the Judas effect for a finisher. What do you think? I think it probably would have been executed better if Kenny Omega didn't have a broken nose. Okay, but you like it? As I a think Jer- I think Jericho attempted to protect him. Oh yeah, um, clearly. And the, clearly, the impact would not have been what it could have been had the the injury not occurred. I'm just talking Look, about John Bones Jones finished off motherfuckers with the spinning the the spinning back elbow. Okay. So that, that I like it's it's a legitimate devastating MMA move if executed properly. You can knock a motherfucker out. Uh, Jericho just unfortunately was not able to execute it properly due to the fact that Kenny Omega already had a broken fucking nose. Yeah, don't, so don't need to make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, look, the finish was flat, but at the same token, had the finish been like crazy, you know, insanity finish, I don't know if the pop for Moxley would have been as high. I, you know, and I wasn't really so, talking. I wasn't really talking about the fl- the finish itself. I was just talking about that as a finisher. And you answered that. I with, think it's. I think it's something I wish they could have built up more. Yeah, and you you answered with with Jones. Yeah, to make it make it make sense. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I, you know, I predicted Jericho to win because I, I honestly felt like uh, the rubber match is coming a year down the road or so. Um, and obviously, with Hangman winning the battle royale, that that made a lot more sense too that Jericho was going to win, and he did with the Judas effect after 24 minutes. So Hangman and Jericho will be uh, going for the title at a future AEW event. I don't know if Bret Hart let that slip out that it's come that that match is in July, but it's probably not going to be July. It's going to be all. Out. I think it's going to be an all out. Yeah, it's got to be all out. Uh, the match was clean. We didn't really have any dirty finishes, did we? No, that's what that's something WWE want. Uh, not telling you, it's something AEW wants to do is not have those WWE style finishes. Yeah, you know, especially on the pay per views. I mean, you're going to see. I would assume you'll see stuff like that on on television. But their mindset is when you pay for their pay per view, they want they want to give you your money's worth with the matches, and and I think they did that. Jericho grabs the microphone after winning and, and calls the fans ungrateful jerks for booing him after the match and say what you want. Doesn't care. I'll, I'll lighten up, Marks. I like how he said, called everybody Marks. Uh, Jericho said he got the crap kicked out of him, but he's smart enough to know it's his time now. He said for months he's been saying he is AEW. Jericho says this company is not for the fans. It's a company to pr- prove the name value of Jericho. He says they got a fancy company, fancy logo, giant TV deal. They sold twelve thousand tickets in four minutes, all because of him. 
And he says he he says uh, he's going to demand one thing from the fans and from AEW. A thank you after he beat Kenny Omega. Then the crowd started stirring. And then the camera spotted a guy by the name of John fucking Moxley entering the arena. My God. What a pop. Jim Ross said himself he didn't know it was going to happen, which is great. Yeah, because he asked them ahead of time not to tell him that stuff. He wanted to act. He wanted to react to yep. um, the events organically. And that's what they used to do in the Attitude Era. They used to not know anything, you know, and back when it wasn't scripted minute by minute. Moxley comes into the into the ring. The fans are going fucking nuts. The pop was insane. Jericho, you could clearly read his lips. What are you doing here? And he says, I'm here to avenge Mitch the plant. No, he didn't say that. But the fans chanted holy shit for Moxley. Gave him what used to be called the Dirty Deeds. I don't know what it'll be called now. But uh, Paul Turner, he got in the ring and well, he got hit with the, with the Dirty Deeds as well. And uh, Omega, he's like, all right, I'm tired of you. Tackles Moxley out of the ring. They go brawling into the crowd. They go to the poker chips on on the set, on stage, and Moxley hits the Dirty Deeds on top of the poker chips and throws Omega off of the chips onto a, a table. What a finish, Matt. Not just because it was John Moxley, but what a finish. That was fucking great, man. That, that, that was good stuff, man. I said on Twitter, I go, is this real life that Moxley and Omega are fighting right now? Is this real life? <laughs> it's like two of my favorite guys today, and, and they're fighting, and it's like, this is really happening. I can't believe it. So you probably could pencil in Moxley and Omega at All Out, which, I mean, we're already shaping that card up to be fucking great, aren't we? Yeah, it's going to be good shit, pal. So, let, let's book AEW. Let's look at All Out real quick, just real quick. Jericho Page. Dude, we're too many months away, man. I know, it's... Do you insert Punk, and who's your first AEW champion? Do you have Hangman? Oh, it's Hangman. Okay. Hangman beats Jericho, clean. Punk One, sh- two, three. Does Punk show up Punk after comes that? out afterwards. Yeah. It's going to be great, isn't it? Yeah, punk in front hangman. <laughs> that's that's how you end the show. <laughs> Look how excited we are. So on SmackDown Live this week, a couple of signs got confiscated. One said save us Triple H, something we've been begging for for a long time. Another one said you aren't MJF. <laughs> and MJF uh, uh mentioned it on on Twitter as well. Ah, they're in his head. They're in. They're in Vince's head, aren't they? A little bit. Being the elite, episode one fifty four this week. Backstage at Double or Nothing, and how cool was it to see uh, the the uh, uh, concourse and and Moxley getting prepared to make his debut? That was spitting a lot of water, pal. That too. Yeah, mop, had to mop that up. But hey, look out! Look out! A uh, cart guy he about ran into the cart. Uh. Just imagine the what was going through his head right there, you know. Probably like finally I'm free. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. This is I gonna be want fun. To break free. Uh, and then of course, just as he's about to enter the arena, that's when we get the uh, the open for being the elite. And uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, basically uh, the show was a, a build up to uh, uh, the, the Double or Nothing Matt and, and Mrs. Matter on the road. They drove from California to Vegas because they had all the merch. Um, and, and Matt showing the uh, the the uh, the entire back of the car filled with merch. Nick in a in a in a little Uber or limousine or something, and talking about as they as, as they uh, arrive to uh, Starcast. I like the double or nothing on the stairs, man. That was pretty cool. The little logo on the on the stairs at MGM. Indeed, that that was uh, definitely a uh, pretty neat. They run into fat ass Massa. Massa's in town. Of course he is. And uh, Cody and Brandy are in the hallway as well. And uh, I, I guess this was the first time they'd seen Brandon Cutler uh, since uh, he signed. So, uh, so they. Uh, Personally congratulated him and uh, for you know getting the, his uh, contracts with his two contracts with AEW and so that was pretty cool to see uh, Cody and Brandy personally uh, welcome him. Then they decided uh, for the uh, I think this was the Alex Marvez interview with the Bucks and Cody about the start of AEW at Starcast. Yeah, and they decided to troll the crowd uh, when the Bucks music hits. They're going to bring out Fat Ass Massa instead. And uh, it wasn't really trolling because uh, Masa got a pretty good pop there, didn't he? Yeah, and I think they knew he was going to get a pop. They they sent him out there as an Easter egg of sorts to you know just get the crowd because we all we all love a him. little more anticipated for their arrival. We all love fat ass Masa. That was that was a great idea, wasn't it? Just have him walk up on stage, wave, and walk off. <laughs> I loved it. That was great. Uh, they showed uh, all the the meet and greet stuff from Starcast. Uh, everybody meeting the Bucks and, and Cody, and everybody showed the long lines of people. It's a long ass line, dude. Long line. Oh, who is this guy in the front row yelling that that MJF is better? Oh, it's MJF in disguise. <laughs> that was great. That was great. When so I, I... reminded me of the Bobby the Brain Heaton skits of him trying to get into the first Monday Night Raw at the Manhattan Center. Yeah, like like his, no, that's totally what it reminded me of. Like, like MJF's facial expressions to uh, the security guy were just like Bobby. I thought too. Yeah, I thought that was great. That was great. Atlas security carrying him off on his back. <laughs> MJF is he's something special, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's going to be a major heel player for them for years to come. I uh, you know, and I I I mentioned that when I I first saw him on MLW, and I go this this feels like a guy that can do something. And uh, he's already doing something, and he's 23, man. You know, we 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 were in amazement of how old Patrick Clark is and uh, Velveteen Dream, and how far he's come. You know, MJF is getting there too. Uh, quick little uh, time lapse of uh, putting uh, putting the show together inside the MGM. Always fun to see. Um, the Bucks and uh, everybody kind of taking kind of taking a look at the uh, the stage. What do you think of the dual uh, the dual tunnels? Kind of old Impact style. I, I like it. Every, every every promotion at one point has had tunnels. I know a lot of people wanted to make the Impact comparisons, but honestly, I, I really didn't see Impact out, out of that stage at all. It looked too good to be Impact. No, just dual dual tunnels is the only comparison I'm saying because Impact used to have two tunnels. But... I mean, WWE had two tunnels for Invasion. Oh, did they? Yeah, for the WCW, ECW side and the WWE side. Yeah, it, it, to me, I, I didn't like. I, a lot of people were just 
stretching on the impact comparisons to me. I, I didn't. I thought they were unwarranted. How great was it when uh, uh, during rehearsals and Cody's taking the sledgehammer to the throne and Triple H's throne wouldn't sell the first time? <laughs> but on the live pay per view, it definitely sold the first time. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, then they talk with the uh, the creator of the belt. Um, this is kind of before the still before belt or nothing. They show off the pretty belt, and we learned a little bit about it. Uh, I guess I guess Nick Jackson's the first uh, AEW World Champion. He's the first one to wear the belt. <laughs> Look, if I had the title before we got it revealed, I'd want to wear it around too. That was kind of funny. They're making fun of him. Uh, oh, you're going to go off and be a singles act now, huh? Uh, then they show us some uh, some uh, some of the fun stuff from Starcast, like the karaoke with the band with uh, with uh, Papa Buck and uh, of course Kaz on the bass as well, and, and doing some singing. Joey Ryan doing a little singing with him too. Uh, Brandon Cutler and the Bucks doing a little a little song as well. A uh, great moment, I thought. Uh, as they're uh, in the ring, Nick and his his boy. Uh, I thought it was great. His boy jumping off of the turnbuckle and Earl Hebner counting three. I love that moment. Old Earl Hebner. So so uh, or actually it was Matt. I'm sorry, Matt. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it was Matt. So uh, Earl. Uh, so Matt's son his his first pinfall is uh, counted by Earl Hebner. <laughs> no, I'm sure he said many pinfalls, but his first pinfall inside an actual wrestling ring. Yeah, I'm sure they play wrestle all the time at the house. Fat ass Massa and Mike Tyson—that could be a sitcom, don't you think? Oh Lord! <laughs> oh, look who shows up in a lucha mask. Flip. Pretty cool to see Flip backstage for Double or Nothing. God, he's got way too long to, in his contract left, doesn't he? Unfortunately, yeah, he's he's stuck there for a while. And they ain't gonna let him out. Gave uh, he gave Hangman a big hug. Hangman didn't even know who it was, really. Like, I think he did. You think so? Okay, yeah, I did. I, I think he was just. Pl- I think they were playing it up for the uh, for the video. I, I think he knew who it was. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think he knew. Scorpio tried to get uh, Kaz to wear his colors for for the match, and he's like, uh, it probably doesn't fit. It says Scorpio on here. He th- tosses him on uh, CD's head as he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loved that segment. CD's reaction one. <laughs> what favor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. CD's reaction when the, the trunks hit him in the face was great, too. I love SCU, dude. It's so fucking good. So glad they're AEW. Uh, they they re- they showed us kind of a behind the scenes of the uh, the little super kick onto Mike. Mike did a good job of throwing up the papers when he got super kicked. Great visual effect there, by the way. It reminded me a lot of the I just kicked Stan um, skit that HBK and Triple H did mm. back in the day when they started. Michael started super kicking everybody down the hallway, and somebody threw the papers up. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, they showed us uh, uh, somebody from uh, BTE recording uh, Hangman's entrance into the uh, the Battle Royale as well. Um, 
uh, the dude that's going to fight Michael Nakazawa at Fighter Fest. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he, he showed up and uh, talked some shit about Nakazawa getting eliminated from the Battle Royale. But uh, then he slipped on baby oil. Whoops. <laughs> I don't know what it Ridiculous. is. Michael Nakazawa it cracks me up for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so then they show uh, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff at uh, uh, during the show. Look at that gigantic tub of red vines. Yeah, yeah I'm not a red vines guy, but apparently everybody else there was. Oh, yeah, I'm a Twizzlers guy. Uh, I, w- I, would really... I, don't like, I don't like Twizzlers either. I don't like any. I don't like licorice. Uh, yeah, you see uh, Cody and, and Billy Gunn and, and uh, the Bucks and, and Dustin looking on backstage during the uh, Jericho and Omega match. And uh, this was the uh, the exact moment when the crowd. Uh, then they also fast forwarded to the point where uh, the crowd reacted to uh, Moxley. Moxley coming out. And uh, I think uh, uh, the overall sentiment of everybody backstage was pleased, <laughs> happy. No, I, I would I would think that'd be a good way to put it. Yeah, they they like the the pop. Uh, Cody with a big clap and everybody's big smile on their face because. Uh, People are just fucking going nuts. They showed uh, uh, from that kind of that corner of the ring, uh, first row kind of view of uh, of Moxley's attack, and then they showed a uh, another view of Moxley attacking Omega as well as the pay per view went off the air. And uh, then they showed uh, afterwards Moxley's pacing around backstage. Joey Janela uh, shows up, lights a cigarette, no words exchanged. Dean steals a cigarette, takes a hit, and throws it away. And that's that. And it's going to be Dean and the bad boy at Fighter Fest, isn't it? It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Speaking of double or nothing, while we're on it, our co-host who was on assignment this week doing Heath Slater duty, <laughs> Daryl, had the following to say. He gave me a quote. I'm going to read verbatim about double or nothing. Double or nothing was great in my opinion, and the response on Raw was evident that Vince is dumber than a bag of hammers. So there you have it. That's from our boy Daryl. That's about right. God, I mean, and they had a chance to make something great on Monday, and I really thought they were going to put their best foot forward, but instead they took both feet, pulled them way back, and tripped over their own ankles. Uh, Dustin Rhodes just, uh, actually, no, All Elite Wrestling just retweeted it, but uh, Dustin Rhodes put out, uh, he's got a shirt now on Pro Wrestling Tees, One Last Ride, with uh, his his half face paint. Yeah, that's been out for a while. Yeah. Uh, as, soon, as soon as they announced the match, they released that. Oh, okay. That's cool. Cool looking shirt. I've never seen that one yet. All right. Uh, let's close up shop with... Uh, not WWE-related, but NXT-related. NXT TakeOver 25, it is happening live this Saturday from the Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Five matches are on the card. Uh, Matt, this is a, a the build. You know, it's kind of a tricky build. It hasn't really been a, a much for a build, but damn it, we got a good card, don't we? Uh, I thought the build for the show has been fine, and they had a... They had a special before NXT air tonight called Target NXT Takeover, um, which basically gave, it was like a 30-minute documentary covering both uh, Gargano versus Cole and Io against Shayna. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really well done. I just think it, it was a, you know, it's kind of an odd period after WrestleMania and, and after TakeOver there. And it, it just didn't seem like... This was around the time they would have held it last year. They I know, but it, the it, bank it, 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 it just seemed like a, a, the build just was a little off for me here. But the I, I don't know. I thought I thought the build was fine. I didn't have any issues with the build at all. Five matches on the card. Uh, four titles on the line. The only match that does not have a title on the line, Matt Riddle versus Roddy Strong. Matt, who do you got in that one? Riddle's got to win. Yeah, I think they're they're really booking Riddle to be... Uh, they might be. Booking. He's taking a couple of losses lately. I feel like he needs. I think he needs a big win here. Yeah, and, and I don't know if, if Riddle's going to be in the uh, the NXT Championship picture uh, with Cole as champion. I don't know if that uh, if that's going to happen or not. Uh, I, th- I figure Cole's going to be champion eventually. Um, NXT North American Championship. It was great to see Tyler Breeze back in NXT where he, he can be used. Uh, this is for the North American Championship. Velveteen Dream, Tyler Breeze. Uh, I'm going to go Tyler Breeze just because of all signs pointing to the fact that he is now back on NXT. Um, I think a big win over Velveteen Dream would be something that really could get his career back on track. Dream has held the belt for a while. I think the feud can continue into uh, SummerSlam weekend as well, because <laughs> they've they've had some great promos in the ring. So I'm going I'm going Tyler Breeze getting the belt here, Matt. To me, the only re- the only way Dream loses this match is if he's getting his wish and he's getting called up. Mm. And I really hope that's not the case. Uh, I think Dream should retain. Um, if he does not and Breeze does win, and you're right that they're going to do a rematch at at SummerSlam weekend. Give him a ladder match and let him steal the fucking show. Oof, that'd, be be- that'd be beautiful. Good segue, Matt, because next up is ladder match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championships. Lorkin and the War Raiders should be fucking in it. Yeah, Lorkin and Birch, Street Profits, Undisputed Era, and Forgotten Sons. Matt, who do you got going with the titles? The Era better fucking win. I'm, honestly, I'm going to be pissed off if anybody else wins. I I think Street Profits are going to win this match, but the Era are going to get the titles very soon. I, I'm going to go Street Profits win the ladder match, but but dude, if the Street Profits are scheduled to get the titles, why didn't they just win them off the fucking Viking Raiders a few weeks ago? I don't I don't know. That'll piss me off even more. I don't know because they had a shot to put the titles on them and they didn't do it there. That would annoy the fuck out of me. NXT Women's Championship: Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. I, I I'm still going Baszler. I I just can't. I, I, She's held that title for way too long. It's time for a change. Eo. I I think the I think maybe the woman to take it maybe Candice LeRae down the line, but I don't know if Eo is the woman to take the title from her. I I think I think Shane is going to win this one. Candice told Eo that she has her back on Saturday night with the other horsewoman. So yeah. And the main event NXT Championship match, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Bebe, Matt, what do you got, got got here? Cole. Yep, I agree. I yeah, I think Gargano was given the uh the title as a thank you. Uh I don't I don't think it was ever planned to be a long term thing. Um as a although thank, I as a thank although you. I wouldn't mind it. Remind um, the fans as a thank you too. I just I just think they were like thank you for everything you've done for the brand. With him and Ch- here's, with him here, and here's a here's a mini title reign, you know. Just I I say I look I could be wrong. I, I honestly I wouldn't mind seeing him have a longer reign, 
But to me, I just feel like it's Cole's match to win. Yeah, I think so too. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be Saturday. Uh, looking a lot, looking forward to it. Looking a lot more forward to it than Super Showdown. That's for fucking sure. Fuck that shit, oh dude. That's going to do it for this edition of Lost in the Midcard. Thank you to SpiderDuck.net for being our host, enabling us to be on iTunes and any of your favorite podcasting apps. What you got to do is search for Lost in the Midcard, hit that subscribe button. That way, you know every time a new episode comes your way every. Wednesday, or, uh, you know, when you subscribe, you know when a different day comes around, like this one, when it comes out on a Thursday. And uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us on the YouTube, and the links to all that go to facebook.com slash lost in the midcard, or on our Twitter at LITMC Podcast. Matt is on the Twitter at Raw F Showtime. Uh, go follow Daryl as well on the Twitter at No One Like D. I am on the Twitter at JB Huskers. And uh, before we ride off into that sunset, and look forward to take over 25 on Saturday. Matt, what are your final thoughts? Vince, your creative sucks. Fix it. That's all we need to say about that. Uh, go listen to that Moxley interview on Talk is Jericho. Uh, AEW is here and it's here to stay. So, you know, they made a statement on sa- they made a statement on Saturday and WWE's response was uh, uh, one match in 80 minutes which was like a ridiculous joke, I guess. I, mean, I didn't even watch Raw, so I, I heard it was like a two-minute match. So, you know, it, it, the, it, it's telling that, that, it's telling that uh, they're not threatened, but yet they're threatened at the same time. They're not threatened because they're not putting out a good product, but they're threatened because they're taking away MGF signs and save us Triple H signs. So, oh, what a time to be alive. It's going to be even better in October. For Matt Black, this is Jeremy Bennett. Thank you for tuning in to Lost in the Midcard. We will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.